This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name's Andrew, but I'm an elf or something. And I'm a holiday dinosaur, the Hohoasaurus. <laughs> Rar and things. Why couldn't you have been the Minorosaurus? Why don't we get a little bit of holiday diversity up in yes, here? Yes, the Minorotops the is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's got eight spikes on its back. <laughs> And they and you hunters hunted them for their oil. Actually. <laughs> oh, they, they kept the temple lit with one dinosaur for eight yeah. days. Mm-hmm. Um, that's true. That's canon. So we are here with our December bonus episode. We are joined by some of our Patreon supporters in the chat. Um, thank you to them and all of our Patreon supporters, whether or not they are here for the recording. You can find out more about supporting the show at patreon.com slash pod. But... Andrew, these bonus episodes, they're always fun. Um, we sometimes break the rules a little bit. <laughs> you sound like you're trying to convince me of it a little bit. They are. You better have fun, and mm-hmm. you better not cry. Um, we <laughs> we try to... Sometimes we experiment with the formula, and this week, uh, this episode, we both read the book. And yes. why don't you tell us what the book is? You chose it. You found it. You well, brought it here. So uh, one of our listeners uh, recommended it to us. It's a uh, "Twas the Knife Before Christmas" by Jacqueline Frost. Yeah. Normally we do horny Christmas, mm-hmm. and we've had a lot of fun in the last few years diving into like some self-published stuff and some romance stuff. Horny holidays this in is, general. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and this is more of a mystery. Like, th- and there have been mysteries in some of the horny books that we've read, like. <laughs> Why does that guy in Stealing Christmas want to sell the mall, I think? And then um, A Dangerously Sexy Christmas was the other one that we did where there was like a a criminal on the loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had to both fight their throbbing biological urges (laughs) and solve the mystery. This one has fewer urges Urges. in it. This (laughs) is like a straightforward... Mystery. This is from a series. This is the second in a series, the Christmas Tree Farm Mystery Series, mm-hmm. um, with our main, uh, our main character Holly White, I believe is her Holly name. White. Holly White. And now Susanna has forwarded a theory that this is the youngest child of Walter and Skylar White. Oh, who has broken free of her old life and and began life anew wait when he disappears at the end of season five doesn't he go to maine or like remote vermont or something i think it's vermont yeah hmm. interesting I, you're not you haven't <laughs> vermont and maine are different i don't well, know but what it's you still the same you've proven <laughs> part of the country because this takes place in the fictional town of mistletoe maine so is what i'm yes. saying 
Yeah, and so this is so uh Twas the Night Before Christmas, do a little bit of table setting before we do uh before we talk about other background stuff. Yeah. This book is essentially set in the one of the Christmas towns from a Hallmark movie. Yeah. And its protagonist is basically Lorelai Gilmore. And if that sounds appealing to you, then I think you'll enjoy this, which I definitely did. <laughs> but yeah, Hallmark Christmas movies always have like they always happen in these wild towns where the internet kind barely exists and they're all called stuff like Reethton and Eggnogberg. Yep. And they're all populated by people who are completely off the chain about Christmas year round, but especially in December when yes. it's actually Christmas. I found an article um, from a local news affiliate in Tennessee where it was basically just someone who, who runs the town in Sweetwater, Tennessee, basically being like, yo, this could be your next Christmas village. Hallmark, please come here. And it's like, we have a gazebo. They play carols from the gazebo every day. We have a main street. Everyone's a small business owner. Also, it's 60 degrees and all the snow is fake. Like, <laughs> Come to our town. Um, the, the other thing that I found, there was a, a Vulture article... Um, that's like the 10 essential things from a Hallmark Christmas movie. Uh, the town has a stupid name. There may or may not be a supernatural element. I was wondering if this was going to be a supernatural Christmas town. Because there's usually like someone traveling through time to learn a lesson. Or someone may or may not be Santa Claus. Um, or it's not supernatural at all. And it's just about like a big city person learning to love a small town. Yeah, um, and usually the big city person like hates Christmas for some yes. reason or like is just too busy to celebrate Christmas and they have to get the big account and then just go home, but they end up getting trapped in this <laughs> Christmas brigad- brigadoon and never being able to go back True. to their old lives. The town is also unbearably white. I th- I think I I feel comfortable in my assertion that everyone in this book is white. It's a very white Christmas, yes. I think you could. I mean, there are some characters probably, that could probably be people of color, but yeah, but that's not. You shouldn't have to do the like surprise people of color casting yes. for a book that came out in twenty eighteen. Correct. Well, yeah, <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. That's maybe more of a thing that you do for older stuff. But it it does truly feel like one of those towns, and it does. Um, it is a cozy mystery. I I feel confident in the assertion that the marketing team at Crooked Lane Books is correctly pitching this as a cozy mystery. Yes, and and this is Jacqueline Frost's wheelhouse. Uh, She has two other pseudonyms, uh, Julie Chase, and then what I believe is her real name, Julie Ann Lindsay. She's also Brie Baker. Did you not find Brie Baker? I didn't find Brie Baker. Yep. Mm -hmm. Dang, so we got three three pseudonyms and a nim. <laughs> She's done many series with books including titles like Live and Let Chai, like Chai Tea. Yeah. A girl a geek girl's guide to murder, Cat Got Your Diamonds, <laughs> which I liked a lot. And uh Marked by the Marshall, and she specializes in the cozy mystery genre. I'm surprised um, that you didn't tell us about the uh Cider Shop mystery book Pulp Friction, Andrew. <laughs> I was I was saving that one for you. That was my that was my present for you. Was you got to tell him about pulp friction? Thank you. But the thing about cozy mysteries is it's kind of a loosely defined genre where the violence and any sexual content is mostly not 
is mostly implied is mostly not shown like explicitly. And it's, in, we read Raymond Chandler a couple weeks ago. Yeah. The show. And it is and cozy mysteries are sort of defined in opposition to hard boiled mysteries, which were defined in, in opposition to the mysteries that came before them, which is fun. Cause it's all looping back on itself. Yeah. It's like, yeah but it, it is, they're, they're meant to be light. They're often a little bit fun. Nobody is ever in really serious danger. At least not. There's some violence in this one, though. I mean, there there is, but I was never worried that Holly White was going to end up actually dead by the murderer. Yes, of course, of course. And there's also now, the reason why she survives was not expecting that. <laughs> we'll we can talk there. about that when we get to the end. Because um, that the, is wild. <laughs> a couple of articles that you can go read about cozy mysteries if you're keen. There's Kristen Hofton writing for HuffPo, the immense popularity of the cozy mystery. Talks about it as a callback to early 19th century mysteries, where like one called Mademoiselle de Scudery, uh, which is about an elderly, well-known poet uh, who helps the police. Uh, solve a murder of a jeweler and um, the amateurs in such stories are nearly always well-educated intuitive women Um, that's a that's a theme that crops up and I think it dovetails with something that uh, Kirkus that's from a Kirkus article by Rada Vatzel um, they follow the basic principles of traditional mysteries an amateur sleuth, no gratuitous sex or violence, a restricted cast of characters. In addition, they might be humorous and sometimes, but not always contain a hook, often to do with hobbies or crafting or food or an area of special interest that's developed throughout the series. Um, and then Amanda Flower, who's another author writing, a, a novelist writing, what exactly is a cozy mystery for Publishers Weekly? She points out that there's like a, it's really important that the reader feel like they are solving it along with the amateur detective in kind of a murder she wrote fashion. And I think there's even some hallmarks of Holly as a character, hallmark, no pun intended, Holly as a character who is like, she's a woman who runs her own Etsy shop. She moved back home after going to school and is now working with her family's business. She loves all of the like classic things about Christmas that if you're coming to a Christmas novel in the first place, you probably love all that stuff too. Um, there's just a lot of reasons to uh, find yourself in Holly if you are the reader. And so as she is solving it, you are invited to solve it with her. Um, and then these series are all based around characters that people get to know and like. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like often in a cozy mystery, so in, in, in cozy mysteries, often like the person is not like a law enforcement presence, but they'll like know or be dating or be close somehow to somebody who is in law enforcement. Yes. So they can get like official information from the police about the murder. But um, I think sometimes the investigator like the amateur investigator is a little more helpful to the cops than holly is in this book <laughs> yeah holly mostly seems to be a uh, she mostly seems to be satisfying her own sense of of justice not that she doesn't help but that usually she goes to her policeman friend with what she's found and he's like uh-huh i knew that already uh-huh yeah, yeah i found that one uh-huh so <laughs> i got are, that it is worth saying we are reading the second of the books in the christmas tree farm mystery series so the first book the 12 slays of christmas mm-hmm. 
Uh, and if listen, if you were worried that there was not going to be enough context in this second book to let you know about what happened in the first book, don't be worried about that. Don't be worried at all. Don't be worried about that. Um, but the, a couple of things that get set up are that like she came back a year ago. A murder happened in this small town. She was put in danger. I think her dad was put in danger at one point. And uh, she, her boyfriend partner, Evan, who is the new town sheriff, has uh, moved there from, uh, it is 12 Slays, S-L-A-Y-S. Um, he has moved yeah. there from Boston because like some he saw some rough stuff in Boston and he needed to get out. And so apparently that book ended with them like in a pretty good place. He kissed her in front of everyone. And now is this <laughs> there's a line about it <laughs> in front of everyone in front of the whole school. And then uh, at this book, the beginning of it, he's kind of being cold to her. And so part of what you've described, Andrew, is like she's getting in his way in the investigation, which we'll talk about, is also them navigating their like coming back together as a relationship. Um, uh-huh. There's a lot of their scenes have a dual tension of like, why are you still running around in this murder investigation? And also, will we or won't we? What information are we keeping from each other? As yeah, like it, it does feel a little bit like the last book ended on a like a would be happily ever after note, and then this book has to like reverse engineer a reason for there to still be a will they or won't they? Yes. going on. Yes. I'm not, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions, but that's just what it. That's what the genre feels demands, like. really. Yeah, yeah, given the given that, I do feel like I got like a good third of the first book through reading people's conversations <laughs> in this book. That's certainly true. Um, I like this one. I had a like great a time with this I book. I had a lot of fun with this. This was what I wanted it to be. We're going to probably go through this book pretty beat for beat because we want to compare notes as we go. Um, but even if we're poking fun and having a, having a lark, uh, I think we both had a good time. Well, and I think that that's kind of the spirit in which some of this genre fiction is intended or like we're not going to say anything that i think would be like mean or surprising to like (laughs) jacqueline frost you know laura has probably watched two times as many hallmark movies as i have this season and i've still watched at least a dozen and like part of it is kind of gleefully complaining about it like just kind (laughs) of mocking people and knowing that the movie follows conventions and that was certainly my experience of this book. So, all in good fun. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything else? We and sh- as with as with any any mockery of any format, mockery is even too tough. Yeah, a word, yeah. But like, we will endeavor to do it in a way that has fun, but not at the expense of people who seek out this kind of entertainment and enjoy it. Because obviously, we had we had a good time. We did have a good time. Because um, there are some twists. <laughs> some twists and turns in this book okay that I, they must have been fun to come up with in the first place lisa in the chat says part of the pleasure of a cozy mystery is you know exactly what you're getting that is a thing mm-hmm. i saw in a number of articles that like it's not it is deliberately not trying to surprise you in terms of like the style or the or the type of thing you might encounter even if the mystery is trying to surprise you so um what, should, what else do we need to say at top to set up where this book is, Andrew? We've talked a little bit about the town of Mistletoe. Mistletoe, Maine. I don't I don't think we really need to do a whole lot more. I'm a little setup, confused right? as to how big this town is. 
I'm I'm very confused about the topography because it's either <laughs> big enough that like crawling through traffic in the town square is a big deal or it's small enough that everybody knows everybody and it doesn't I'm not sure I'm not sure which of those two poles <laughs> it falls Everyone in town to. owns their own business and everyone's small business is like at a critical point of transformation um, <laughs> spin asks how much alliteration is in this book uh, uh well let's talk about carolyn's cupcakes carolyn's cupcakes cupca- this town supports an unconscionable number of specialty dessert stores they're like, all award-winning at a, at a bare minimum the diner that is only pie yep the chocolatier the cupcake store the place that Holly's parents own, which I guess like it, it wasn't an inn before, before it was just kind of like a general purpose gathering place that had like cookies and cider and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's called reindeer games. Reindeer, the reindeer games plantation or whatever it is. <laughs> oh, do you mean the chocolatier store? Oh, fudge. Is that the one I do? I mean, I, we were going to talk about the wine store called wine around. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the people who come up with store names on Bob's Burgers were doing work for Jacqueline Frost. So good, but they're all basically yes. There, there's a there's a pop up cookie store. There's just a they're all award winning, and basically everyone supports each other's small business. Like Mm -hmm. everyone is spending their hard earned money on everyone else's hard earned businesses. Graham says a uh, whole lot of rich people's third children needing a small business to run it. Sounds like mm. not wrong. Not not totally wrong. wrong. No. Um, and yeah, you you mentioned the inn. That's kind of where Holly's family is at this transformational juncture. They're building this new. They're turning a big you know whatever structure on their on their property into a new inn that they're going to have her run. And, and so, this, this gives me the most like stars hollow slash lore like yes, more energy yes. is like here is a young woman who never stops eating. She's like 27 or 28. She's 27 years old. She ne- never stops eating, but there are no apparent consequences for it. And also she her, she aspires to run an inn in a small town. Yes. With just the right amount of quirky. Just the right, just and the right amount of quirky. she's also completely assured of her own correctness at every possible point which is very lore like Gilmore. <laughs> um she does spend many chunks of the book picking out new details of this inn which is under construction i spent a lot of time wondering why this was important until the climactic action scene at the end climactic action scene um she also has a small business where she takes recycled glass and turns it into ornament themed jewelry yeah it's so never it's never called an etsy store but clearly it's an etsy store and she's doing quite well for herself almost so well that it is improbable because she's so behind (laughs) she's she's getting like two dozen orders a day (laughs) she like at the beginning of the book her friend caroline sets up her phone to get notifications when she gets an order which seems like pretty small business 101 to me but what do i know i don't own a cupcake store yeah um and she has just not checked her email in like a week and i've got to imagine that unless she makes those terms like that processing time pretty clear on her etsy store which we never see the we never see the web page so i don't know i don't know if she's using squarespace or what it's really confusing i feel like she's got a well they didn't pay us for anything so don't what come on (laughs) 
Come on. Don't give them free advertising. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you'd think some of the customers would start to get mad. Yes, I would think so. For sure. About not getting their stuff on time. Because yep. it is Christmas. Like, people want stuff by Christmas. And she's like, oh, I'll get to it yeah. later. <laughs> she meets people in person who are like, yo, your stuff is great. There's multiple times in the book where people just stop her to tell her how much fun they're having at her parents' property. Like, mm-hmm. really, just I just need to tell you this is the best thing I've ever done with my life. Mm-hmm. These This reminds me of my dead loved one they say wiping a tear away from their eye yes uh-huh uh-huh and you're very touched by it um her, i was touched by her it. parents on the reindeer games property do this thing called the 12 days of 12 games of christmas or the 12 days of christmas games or something there's mm-hmm. sleigh rides there's blind sledding there's blind gingerbread bread house <laughs> it's decorating mostly blind contest there's christmas bingo and karaoke they've she's come up with a lot of things that you might do Mm-hmm. Um, which is fun, and the prizes for most of it is just like free desserts. Yes, yes which is yes. Not, nobody in this town needs a free dessert. Yeah, <laughs> but, but nevertheless, um, I mean, it sounds like a big tourist attraction. Yes, like yes. there are a lot of tourists in town, especially here on in December in Mistletoe, Maine. Um, she and what you mentioned her friend Caroline, who runs a cupcake store with their friend Cookie. Tell me more about this so situation. Her, I think her name is like Dolores, Dolores. or something. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> but uh, everybody calls her Cookie, and she is a kooky old lady who likes to get drunk. And she has a pet goat named that she's making a calendar yeah. out of. Like she's dressing the goat in different clothes. Named she's Theodore. Sell a goat calendar for charity. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> this book slaps so hard. <laughs> Yeah, Cookie's really only there for comic relief. At one point, uh, she does a British accent in a I love in a book. It's like Cookie's doing her British accent, and the characters mm-hmm. that are in the scene are like, "This is hilarious. And, this is really and, fun. This is and, really and good." I'm British reading accent. it, going like, "I can't tell if it's funny, but sure." This is how I would write about your French. <laughs> accent in a book oh, oh, oh. yes sean in the chat she is cookie cutter her that name is, the, is her last joke. name is cutter mm-hmm. her last name literally is cutter mm-hmm. it's fun it's funny she also says funny things like she uh, uh later in the book we we were talking about some characters who have an arch nemesis and she says that she had an arch nemesis uh, oh God, this a, is kind of dark. A actually. few decades later, after I'd been in Maine for most of my life, I thought I was finally rid of her. But Mark Zuckerberg went and created Facebook. For five years, I had to watch her brag about everything from her yoga yoga routine to her $1,000 crowns. So I'd brag back, and then she'd try to top it. Eventually, she died, which was sad, but I suppose that means I won. I need to change my original answer. I don't have a nemesis anymore. <laughs> Cookie! Cookie lives like I want to live, which is bragging about having outlived her enemies and mad at Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> uh, we talked briefly about Evan, who is the love interest sheriff, been giving her the cold shoulder. He's got something going on. We don't yeah, really some know secretive. what. And she also has a friend named Ray who's a few mm-hmm. years younger than her. He's the local photographer, wants to be a reporter. Slash journalist, yeah. yeah. Now, Ray's mom's name, get this, is Faye. Oh, man. <laughs> did you miss that? I did miss that. Because <laughs> Faye, is, Ray's mom, is dating a, a new gentleman caller, which Ray is extremely creepy and not happy about. Oh, do you mean Pierce Lakemore? 
I do mean Pierce Lake more, but I'm wondering what Ray's, I mean, Ray's dad must have been named Jay, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jay and Faye and Ray. Maybe Jimmy Ray could have been his name. Mm, who wants to know? I do. Um, mm-hmm. He was a freshman when Holly was a senior, which is a real hometown friendship energy. <laughs> it's a hometown friendship energy. And also when she mentions that he remembers her from high school, but she definitely doesn't <laughs> remember him from high school. That is very, very senior to freshman relations. I to feel me, like I that's when you're really, when you really become an adult is when those barriers to f- like those hangups about friendship f- truly fall away. That's when you're an adult. Like when you are meeting people outside of school context and you're able to ignore whatever weird like age barriers you have about it and you're just like you're a person mm-hmm. yeah yeah um and we'll talk people in the chat are wondering who the villain is i want to talk about who i like the journey i went on with this book as we get there but you know i i want you to tell us about like the setup what happens at the beginning of the book to set everything in motion so cookie and Caroline and Holly are all hanging out in the cupcake store. Mm-hmm. They're all just having a chat yeah. about the season. Uh, Caroline, the night before, had gone. Her parents, her dad is like the mayor, I yes, think. He like, is the he's mayor. a high status guy in however big this town is. <laughs> <laughs> and he set her up on this date with this other, like, well to do socialite guy named Derek. Derek Wagner. And Derek. And Derek Wagner got handsy with her, as he apparently does with everyone. Yeah. Uh, There's a good quote in here about Derek's whole deal. Uh, Most older and male folks seem to think Derek was a delight, but women between 20 and 40 weren't so quick to praise. In fact, they said very little, exchanging looks with their friends instead of voicing their opinions. They were holding their tongues, I'd realized, trying to be polite. If they had had something nice to say about him, they would have freely done so. So the Whisper Network does exist in Mistletoe, Maine. It does. It does. Um, And she curses him out, right? Yeah, Caroline yells at him because he's being a dickweed <laughs> and <laughs> and then the next night they go to some like ceremonial thing in town. I feel like every night in this town there must be some like ceremonial It's the it's the like, tree lighting. It's something. the tree lighting. Yes. There is also a a guess how many mints are in the tank game. Yeah, so they got a tank hidden like full of mints. And what's that in the tank of mints? Some weird smear. What is that? And then they unveil the tank of mints and who is in it but the dead body of Derek Wagoner. Yes. And the And what else is in there? Oh, a uh, a marble-handled knife that we had just spent a weird amount of time talking about in Caroline's shop. It's monogrammed. Whoa. And it's Car- it, Caroline must have done it. Yes. She's suddenly the prime suspect. And Derek she was just yelling at this guy. She caught on tape. It was in the paper. It was, it was it, in the paper. The only There's thing anyone's paper talking about. in this town still. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, where they where they're getting money for that local paper, I have no idea. Um and his car was found like outside her shop the next day or something. Now, of course, they're friends with the sheriff. I got some, um, I don't know how much Playing House you've watched, Andrew. I got a little bit of Playing House energy from the fact that Evan is the sheriff 
and the two women best friends like one of them used to date the that's the oh is playing house the uh lennon parham and um and yes i don't remember the other actress's name yeah it's it's been forever since i've seen michael key is the is yeah 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 Yeah. no i I watched that one and i liked it very much yeah um and it was canceled before it's time it truly was laura and i watch it regularly um brian in the chat asks who would use a monogram knife for a murder exactly there's a lot of this is all too stupid Ex- All the clues are too stupid. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you would, you would, if you were really trying to frame somebody, you would try to make it look like they had hit, hidden it more, and not like left like written in their <laughs> the corpse's forehead in sharpie. <laughs> I killed him. This is my address and social security. Yes. <laughs> um, so now Holly's best friend is the prime suspect for a murder. There's a big newspaper article about the mayor's daughter being implicated how bad that is and so from here on out holly is trying yeah not only is there a local paper but apparently it's a tabloid rag (laughs) it really is yeah um and so holly has now now has a mission in addition to helping her parents with the inn and running her small business she has to clear her friend's best name. Her, her friend's best name. Her, her best, best friend's best name. name. Yes. Her friend's best name. And like all of these things are important, but none of them fade in importance as she adds new stuff. Yes, correct. So like being on time to do stuff at her parents' like two-bit dessert shop and doing stuff for her independently owned Etsy store and clearing her best friend's name of murder are all just things she has to figure out how to fit into her day. Yeah, there's a um there's a there's a thing that happens regularly in this book where like really bad stuff happens and then she goes and just like watches a movie. Um <laughs> there's a there's a quote like after she literally almost dies and she's like just hanging out eating some fudge and she says, "Funny how even the worst nights come back around to peaceful eventually." And I think that is for is me the aesthetic the of the whole were- book. Most of the worst nights in this book just kind of fade into a like, and then I ate some gingerbread. Yeah, it's like, a, and then they all end in like gal pal chats. Yeah. In front of the TV, eating another <laughs> handful of junk food. <laughs> so, do you want to run through? So, she sets out on this quest to clear Caroline's name. She meets. Wait, did you want to say something about Evan, or is it we going to do that later? Oh, just that. Um. Oh, so then they are like interacting with him. They have a, they have like a, a relationship with him obviously through personally but he is now also trying to solve this murder as a cop so they are like getting information on the case from him but then whenever something happens to holly related to the case she and evan usually butt heads about it and she is like here's this thing that i learned she also tells everyone she knows about this murder investigation pretty she- regularly she's not careful about it and like loose lips sink ships lady like Yep. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know what else I have to say about it. It's like she is, she gets more involved in this because she begins talking loudly in public places to everybody who she's ever met about trying to figure out this murder. Yep. And so she goes to the chocolatier to do some Christmas shopping, and there are like 10 people in line behind her. 
all with conspicuous qualities that you know you're supposed to notice and like bring back later when one of them eventually ends up being the killer or associated with the killer in some way. Yeah. Um, and because she does all this very public sleuthing, she starts to get little threatening notes in red boxes with mints that are like, stop looking around, you're next. Yes. Lady. Yeah. And and she is, so the people that she is checking up on include Derek's ex-girlfriend, Samantha, who runs the wine shop. She's obsessed with Derek, and every scene that she's in, she winds up throwing things at people. Um the Fords, Bruce and Nadia. Nadia may or may not have had a fling with Derek, and Bruce did have a fling with Derek. Is photographed, and it's on Facebook. And Facebook comes up again. That's true. Bruce is described as uh, Derek's arch nemesis for business reasons. Um, there is Gina, who works for Mary Maids, who may or may not have had her own. Uh, sexual harassment experience with Derek. It's unclear. There's a guy named Scooter who's just around who has a real, like, you know, inappropriate crush on Caroline and likes to look things up on the internet about people. Um, Of course... Scooter is the kind of creepy where he shows up without having been told that Caroline is staying with Holly while, like, the shop is closed and everything's being investigated. He shows up to give her her mail, which she did not ask him to deliver. Mm-hmm. And then Holly is like, well, did you get the cupcake shop's mail too? And he says, no, the cupcake shop has its mail delivered to a P.O. box, so I couldn't get it. <laughs> this Nobody knows that without being told that, without being a complete stalker creepo. Yeah. And it's not dealt with to my satisfaction in this in this book. The book does try to humanize him a few too many times even though it also is giving us a lot of ammo for not being comfortable with with his activities correcto mundo um, um oh oh nora yeah, is see, people to him in the chat the are Kirk. going through our same the same journey that the book sends you through yes. where they're like oh pierce what's his name must be the murderer oh scooter must be the murderer yes maybe so many creepy handsy close talking guys live in this town because <laughs> you need to be able to suspect so many of them <laughs> yes of murder. Um, so yes, there. A Pierce is there. He is. He is crushing on Ray's mom. Ray, who I will say, I went about two thirds of the way through this book, keeping the option open on Ray as the murderer. I wasn't sure, sure yeah, why. Because he hides in bushes a lot. Every scene he's in, he is popping out of bushes or a snowdrift to like quote unquote photograph his mom. It is, it is, it's totally innocuous. He is just following his mother around as she has a relationship with a gentleman caller. It is clear that he has a crush on Holly, but she has completely defined it as a friend, as a friendship. Um, and then ultimately another girl in the, another young woman in the book takes an interest in Ray, which kind of solves that for everyone, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe Pierce is a suspect. Maybe Ray is a suspect. Maybe Greg Pressy, the guy who runs the Iron Man training center, is a suspect. He's a workout guy whose last name is Pressy, <laughs> which I find funny. Well, you know, that goes back to a time where people's last names were just the thing that they did. Yes. And so maybe his forefathers bench pressed and that's where he got his name, Greg Pressy. Yes. It's possible. Yeah. She, yeah. she finds out about Greg through the cleaning woman, Gina. Um, Greg was a business partner of Derek's. 
Derek. Do you know who who works for Mary Maids? Mary Maids. Yeah. You could have made up a name, but it is just Mary Maids. That's true. I guess the maids in this town would be Mary. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. On kind of all the Christmas stuff. Um and Greg runs his fitness center. Greg is toxic masculinity personified. Mm-hmm. He is very upset that Derek invested in his gym and used that investment to open a sick spa for ladies. And mm-hmm. everyone who's using that spa is a, quote, pansy, is what he says. And mm-hmm. he just wants people to get ripped and do, you know, CrossFit. And anytime, multiple times... Holly goes there to ask him questions and he's like, only if you lift. And then he like punishes her in the gym in a way that's really awful and -hmm. doesn't make any sense. It's like he's a video game boss or something like she has to do things to get the answers that he then doesn't give her anyway. Um, So he stinks. He's a stinker. Yeah. And then there's also we, we talked briefly about the. The work that's being done on the inn, Andrew, can you tell me about the contractor who is working on the inn, what we do and do not know about him? Well, we got, so we got, and, and as somebody who's dealt a lot with contractors this year, I understand the frustration of a contractor who says they're going to do stuff that they are not going to do. We've got two different contractors working in parallel. We've got a bad contractor who is totally flubbing the job and breaking stuff that didn't need fixing. In the main, the main building that exists already, like the main sweet shop, event space, whatever, reindeer games. And then working on the inn, we've got this guy, Christopher, who is a dream, does everything ahead of time, follows directions, is very good. I bet he doesn't show up to your house at 6.30 a.m. after vaguely implying that he might show up tomorrow. <laughs> <sighs> Woof, man. And he's got like a big white fuzzy beard, and all of the men who work for him are very short. Mm-hmm. Will, Bill, and Phil, or whatever their names are. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we first... So take away yeah. from that what you will, which is basically what the book says. Yeah. <laughs> Caroline's like, yo, he looks like Santa Claus. And Holly's like, man, I wish I believed in Santa Claus. And that's the end of that for now. Wait, doesn't Holly believe in Santa Claus and and it's uh, Caroline who is having trouble believing? No, I think you you go on and I will I will look. I, up, I thought I that Holly a- said, I wished I still believed in Fanta- in Santa Claus in Santa Claus. <laughs> delicious. Um, so the the thing that starts happening after we kind of. And we meet these characters, some of these characters we meet over the course of the book. We don't all meet them at the front, but most characters who are introduced, there's a period of time. Oh, she does. You're right. Yes. She doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Yeah, she doesn't believe in Santa anymore. Caroline guffawed. How could you grow up on a Christmas tree farm in a town that lives for Christmas without believing? And I, I like how believing is just used there as like what you would be believing in is sort of understood to be Santa and not like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, yes. for example. So the the prime suspects as understood by the characters in the book are probably the arch nemesis Bruce Ford um, and the coward Jesse James. Um, the guy Greg Pressey, who's mad about the gym. Nadia Ford, who did sleep with Derek and then Derek told Bruce about it, um, or Samantha, whatever her last name is, the woman who runs the wine shop, 
who mm-hmm. loved Derek. And, you just call her Samantha Weinshop. I don't yeah. think she has a particularly Christmassy name. No, she doesn't. Um, and so those are your four, like, kind of jilted lovers or jilted business partners are your are your primary <laughs> suspects. Cassandra in the chat says, so that's how Santa makes money on the offseason. Well... Which I do like the idea of him being like a teacher who paints houses rather than just like sitting up at the North Pole not doing anything or like trying to like reverse engineer a PlayStation 5 so he can give (laughs) PlayStation 5s to kids. Early in the book, he says, I got to get this job done early. I have work to do up north is what he says. (laughs) He does say that. He says he has a job to do up north. Well, maybe that's just his thing. Maybe, pre- maybe pretending to be Santa is just his thing. Yeah. And he's just another quirky Stars Halloween figure uh-huh. who pretends to be Santa. Um, so you mentioned that uh, Holly starts... Laura asks, is anyone religious in this town or do they all worship Santa? They mostly just worship secular Christmas. Yes, very secular and Christmas. And the desserts that are made in association with secular Christmas. Yes. Um, anytime a a, uh, a character enters a scene, you are told whether or not they're wearing boots and a sweater. Um, and anytime they sit down at a table, you are told exactly which Christmas treats they're about to eat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a that's a hallmark of the book. And yes, you keep saying hallmark, and I feel like I need to take a drink when you do that. Yeah. Um, and there are like multiple Santas just running around the town, just men dressed as Santa, or maybe women. Um, because that becomes a plot point later on. People are dressed as Santa. Um, so you mentioned that she starts getting the threatening messages. Andrew, how does this escalate? What happens as you recall? She is, so she, she's done a few of the, the investigative things that we have, we've talked about. She doggedly, despite Evan and the literal murderers attempts to get her to stop looking into it. She continues to keep looking into it and putting herself into situations where she's all alone in a place where she hasn't told anybody that she's going. Car- yeah, and Caroline somebody in the chat mentioned, point, right? Caroline's been that? arrested and it's like, I got to save my Car- friend before Christmas. Yeah. 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 And, and someone in the chat suggested that Holly, Holly seems not smart and I, she is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest thing to say about Holly in, to that point, I think is, is a, a, a genre convention that she is not some sort of mystery solving whiz, right? She she's, is she's not, not a mystery solving whiz, but she also doesn't have like a sense of self preservation no. of any of the stuff that you associate with sentient living. Things. She walks into most of these interactions and goes, "I would like to talk to you about the murder of the man yesterday." <laughs> like <laughs> she doesn't come up with cover stories. She doesn't protect herself. Um, because she's too invested in saving her friend. And yes, she does wind up at a situation where she goes, oh, I'm back-ordered on these jewelry, these ornament jewelry bits. I need to go to the recycling place to get some more bottles to melt down. Mm-hmm. And it's very dramatic what happens there. It's not clear whether she's melting them down. Like it's, I don't, it's, she her, says she's melting them down. I don't know how. Does she? In her okay. living room, I guess. Yeah, and her work, yeah, her work is not described... To my satisfaction, <laughs> I need to know like the full extent of like the glass blowing and like metal work that goes into the stuff that she's doing. Sure, but maybe maybe that's for book three. What happens to her that. at the recycling center, Andrew? She gets shut in. She goes into she goes into a building where she doesn't know where the light switch is. It's dark. 
She told, not only did she not tell anybody where she was going, but she in fact told people that she was going to a different place. Yeah. So nobody knows where she is. She goes into this dark building where she doesn't know where the light switch is and the door is shut behind her. And somebody is like banging on this building, making a bunch of noise and generally scaring the bejesus out of her. Yes. And luckily she, she, you know, she has her phone, she has reception. It's not like a... Like she's in a metal building, so there's no cell service. Like there, no, there are no contrivances like that. She does just call somebody who comes in and chases the guy away. Ray and, and shows up her, here but, and saves her, quote unquote. And I thought that was a little convenient. Mm-hmm. When that was a moment where I was like, "Man, this might be Ray." Because it he, might be Ray. Ray might have been around. How would he have known? That the person going full warriors come out and play outside the recycling building was like not him. How do we know? That is, the spin brings up an interesting point in the chat, which is she doesn't have a flashlight. Which she does have a phone, but she does have a phone that can call. She uses well, but she no, she uses the phone flashlight at one point. Oh, does she? She does. Okay. All right. It's the middle of the afternoon, I think, and the the person has blocked all the light into the room. It takes her a while before she picks up a like a lead pipe because she's in a Resident <laughs> Evil game or she something. She just finds <laughs> if she punched the wall with like a cooked turkey come out to restore her health. Like, what are we doing? She she does find the flashlight, but of course, like it's it's basically just she's using it to. Uh, like pointed at the door so that when she bursts it open and then by the time anything happens, Ray is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yes, then what the next part of the story is like, uh, you know, she has dinner with Ray. That's like a, we have a liter- little interlude where she has dinner with Ray and his sister Libby. Well, no, Libby is Evan's sister. Evan's sister, excuse me. That's who I meant. I meant Evan's sister. Yeah, Evan like, is who she has dinner so with. There, there's another, so the the romance subplot is is going on the whole the whole time that the murder subplot is going on. Before Caroline even gets in prison, I think they go over to Evan's house because Holly has seen oh, this bit. Evan driving around with enough Chinese food for two people. And listen, sometimes individuals <laughs> just order enough Chinese food for two people and you don't need to be super judgy about it. Thanks very much, Holly. But <laughs> but they see about that. like You're this right. they see this like this curvaceous redhead wearing Evan's shirt like step outside the house and they think they believe the worst. Like they think that uh that Evan is seeing somebody else, but really it's just Evan's sister from Beantown. Is hiding out from a whole separate crime that I feel like would be the the like what book three revolves around. Yes, if we get it ever. But um, it's it's she's in college. A friend of hers got mixed up in some stuff. She traveled across country to try and save her. Now she's effectively in a like DIY witness protection <laughs> at mm-hmm. Evan's house. Um, and so all of the stuff from Evan being kind of evasive about what he's doing and where he's spending his weekends is because he's protecting his sister. Oh, it's so charming. Mm -hmm. He's Mm -hmm. a good guy. He's not lying and distant. Right. Um, and then on her way home from that, she gets the next escalation. She goes to the pop-up cookie stand. (laughs) So she has, she has been told by Evan to go straight home because she has nearly just been murdered. Yes. And she's also at this point done the creepy workout at like Blast McChunkfist's <laughs> Iron Man gym. 
and she's been told go straight home don't go any like you people somebody is threatening you and it's credible yeah and you should just go home just go home <laughs> stop doing stuff and she drives by the pop-up cookie place and she's like let's be bad let's go get cookies <laughs> let's get some cookies and she goes to the cookie place she encounters another like potential suspect i think it's oh it's um nadia she learns more about yeah it's like it's derek's like nemesis's young wife who derek boinked and i think this is where they start to actually we start the the diamond starts to close and actually we start to like cross people off the list i think this interaction is what ultimately helps cross nadia off the list where it's like Mm -hmm. nah she probably didn't do it um Uh, a little, a few scenes later, we get uh, Pierce Lakemore, who turns out to be a good guy. He also has an alibi for Bruce Ford, who was in a town doing litigation on some fake purses or something. I don't know what that guy's <laughs> whole deal is. Um, but uh, Holly gets back to her truck, and the tire has been slashed. Yes, and there's like a creepy Santa across the street who's tracking her movements. He's and got- she realizes. I have seen the Santa every place that I've been for the last two days. Yep. And I'm just now drawing the I'm just just now drawing the comparison. And you know what she does so that Evan night? Comes, Andrew? What's up, bud? You know what she does that night? What's she do? Watches Die Hard with some friends. She watches <laughs> Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie. Let's not talk about it anymore. Um so she does this, and then the next night or later that the, the next day is, is the is the big sleigh ride. Is the big sleigh ride, and this is like Ray and Evan's sister Libby get on a sleigh. It's very romantic. Evan and Holly get on a sleigh. It's this big procession of sleighs, and as they are making their way through the trees, Holly sees like flashes of red a couple times, and she's like, oh man, is this that creepy Santa from earlier? And then somebody shoots the horse, which like breaks its like reins and bolts, and the sleigh is sledding inexorably downhill toward a frozen lake where it like it goes off the ramp like at a monster truck rally and uh evan and holly hit the ice and holly almost sinks Drowns. into the water yeah dies. i would like to take uh umbrage at the description of the gun firing in this sequence Please do take some umbrage. It is described as like is a- Is this the thing you told me before yep. you had a hobby horse about? Yep. I'm okay, climbing cool. on the hobby horse. Um, oh, a spin, the just to, to diffuse this. The horse is fine. There's a paintball gun. It was a paintball gun. So there's a Santa in the woods with a paintball gun, and it is described as a crack, like a, like a rifle firing. Paintball guns don't make that noise. Paintball guns- <laughs> Do not, this is my this is my first of two hobby horses actually. Um, the second one I have a whole article about. But maybe someone also at the exact same time that this paintball gun was fired slapped two two by fours <laughs> together somewhere. <laughs> they are well. Christopher has been working day and night on the inn, yeah, so that's very possible. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. more of a or a thump or a maybe you get a if you have a real complex about. Your guns, I guess. Maybe you get like a, you know how they have like a silencer for guns. Maybe you get a loudener for your paintball gun that makes it sound more like. I a was gun reading gun. about paintball guns, and that is a thing, Andrew. Oh dang! So I bet, I bet he has a loudener. For he his has a loudener gun. for his paintball gun, um, which makes it sound like a real gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. So watch is why she thinks the horse is bleeding, but no, it's just covered in paint. Um, 
This becomes important later when they do discover a photo of the villain holding a paintball gun in the background of another photo, <laughs> which is like the thing that they use as the as the end, you know, how to get them to the end game. Um, the next day, they do exonerate Caroline Andrew mm-hmm. because Holly is like, how could you? You arrested my friend. We know that the murder is out there. He's still trying to get me. Um, why don't you just think harder? Why don't you just be a better cop and think harder about why you arrested Caroline? Could you please help w- and just be smarter about it? Think about it differently. Mm-hmm. Look at the security cameras. There's got to be something in her shop you missed. Well, and so, and I guess Evan crackerjack cop that he is has been too focused on proving who did do it and not focused enough on proving that Caroline who is in police custody at this point did not do it correct because it turns out that she was watching cupcake wars on the screen in her smart fridge and there are extensive chat logs proving that she is where she says she was and she couldn't possibly have done the murder That's <laughs> and it does feel like literally the first thing that anybody would have said is oh i was watching cupcake wars on my fridge and I've got the receipts. I've got my chat log. His Here whole excuse for keeping her locked up was she said she was watching Cupcake Wars. I know she doesn't have a TV in that store. <laughs> yeah. But then I'm there also sm- flabbergasted. People in the chat expressing some mild incredulity about the smart fridge. Listen, I expressed incredulity too. I will say. And Caroline yes. sums it up. She does set saying, it up at the beginning I of the book. I love that fridge. I love my fridge, she says. <laughs> I love that fridge. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of great. The, the, the level of technology available in Mistletoe, Maine, not, not sure about it, you know? It's, I will sure say that it. there's a lot of people snooping on social media, which is not something I'm used to in this genre from the little bit I've read of it. So it was kind of interesting to... to read about a lot of characters who are like, I looked this up online. I found these Facebook photos of these people. There's a that lot could easily all of this could exist ten years ago. Yeah. Yeah. There's all there like that's Facebook's that's been good around that's like good public point. Facebook has been around for like 10, 12 years. Like I don't know how long it's been. Yeah. But. That's a good point. Um so they go back to Greg Pressy's stupid gym. People continue to be incredulous about the smart fridge. <laughs> Nora, so there are smart fridges with TVs in them, but everyone only has a flip phone, Allegra. So the smart fridge is in the store, extremely unnecessary for a place of business. Yeah. Lisa, you spend all that money on a smart fridge, but don't a smartphone. So no, okay. Some pe- most people have smartphones. Evan does not have Facebook, which is like plot important, I think. Uh, or at least like world building. Plenty of people have social media profiles that is are used to incriminate them. It's true. Well, or to track your nemesis and inform you when they die. Yeah. So you know that you beat them. Yes. Uh-huh. This book is very good. I love this book. Um, this book was so fun. So we go back to Greg's gym. We find she has to work out again. Um, Caroline used the opportunity to sneak into Derek's office and finds a photo of him with Samantha. Clearly, he did love Samantha, but and maybe they just weren't together because his family didn't think she was good enough. Like that's all. <laughs> what? That's the whole thing. So cross Samantha off the like ornament throwing wine store Samantha. Cross, cross her off the list. Yes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, there's a quick interlude where we go back to the in progress inn, and Holly gets scared of the balconies that don't have railings yet. Just gonna put she's that. She's afraid out of heights. She's afraid of heights. Yeah. 
Um, she spends some time babysitting and bonding with Libby, which is how they meet Samantha and know that she's cool. Uh, and then they go back to her house and they're like, hey, we're going to hang out for a little bit. She gets a text from Christopher that says, so Ray and Libby are at the house. Uh, Holly gets a text from Christopher that's like, hey, can you come to the inn, to the in-progress inn, the in-progress for a sec? And she's like, all right, cool. And who's there, Andrew? Well, she keeps looking for Christopher, but who's there but Greg Hardbody, the <laughs> sadistic owner of the Iron Man gym? She gets a text from Ray that is a photo he took of his mom kissing Pierce, and in the background are three dudes with paintball guns, and one of them is Greg. And one of them is Greg. And that cra- that cracks this whole thing open. And Greg is standing there with a nail gun. Mm-hmm. And the air oh, and the air compressor is going, which is a nice touch. You would need the air compressor to to now have a satisfactory nail. Let me experience. climb aboard my second hobby horse here. I went to s- oh, please do. Let me let me get out of the way. Or do you need like a boost? Are you good? Uh, help me, please, just a little bit. Okay. All right, I'm up. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Sue Coletta, theater of the mind. Sue- That's what podcasting uh, is. SueColetta.com on writing fiction, how to use a nail gun like a firearm is an article that I read. It's a guest post from Benjamin Sobiek. Um, and he dives deep on whether or not nail guns are useful firearms in your story. I watched a seven-minute YouTube of a man demonstrating how bad nail guns would be as an actual gun. There was a whole season of The Wire about this. Now, they use, they're they using those nail guns to close up those doors after they kill people normally. I guess. Um, which It's like a little bit of misdirection. The main mm. thing about the nail gun that I learned from this YouTube that I watched, because I'm probably now on an FBI watch list or something, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that depending on the gauge of the nail, it's not going to travel very far accurately. This man is standing three feet from a cardboard box and not all of the nails go through. When he's mm-hmm. just... Because he has to hold back the safety and shoot them. Mm-hmm. Usually when you use a nail gun, you push it onto the surface that you're nailing and that releases the safety and then you can fire it and it drives it through. Um, mm-hmm. In this book, dude fires it like a freaking rifle and it <laughs> gets her twice. And it's like really intense. I don't. I do not think that the nail gun would actually, it would hurt, but it would not do what it does to poor Holly in this book. Um, but before he f- actually shoots her, he does do some monologuing, Andrew. Do you recall his reasons for doing what he does? Man, so this is... <laughs> Basically, Derek, and I've lost track of my white guy name, so Greg is the murderer, Derek is the guy who got murdered, yeah. Brian is the other like the nemesis guy? No, okay. Bruce, is, Bruce is the nemesis. Bruce is, the Bruce nemesis. Is, is, is Brian anybody? Uh, Ryan is the... Th- third partner or kyle there's a third guy who's a partner in the gym i thought it was brian i don't remember but there's anyway (laughs) gary gary ab muscles is mad about greg because he yeah greg sorry (laughs) he thought that (laughs) he wanted to just make a manly gym for men yeah and he wanted it to be a manly place where real men came to get big and beefy like men. And he partnered up with Derek, who wanted to make it a foofy spa destination. He wanted to put stuff that people, including women, would have wanted from a gym into the gym. Yeah. 
And then he, I guess, lost it in a gambling... Correct. ...match. Which is also what happened with Bruce, and that's why he told the story about Nadia. So he has gambling problems also. He has gambling problems also, but it feels like Greg could have waited he could have worked with this and he even says this like he could have worked out with this new owner of his business like to change things to be more the business that he wanted it to be but instead he just was really mad and killed Derek. he says that he was thinking about killing this guy for months and then he saw the video of caroline cursing him out and thought you know what perfect opportunity I'm going to take care of business. Uh, yes, and as, as Laura points out in the chat, yes, fragile masculinity was the murderer all along. My notes... That is literally what happened. Yeah, it's a it's a really bad mix of fragile masculinity and venture capital is what my notes mm-hmm. say. Um, so in Amanda Flowers' pieces about Cozy Mysteries, actually, she does mention something that seems directly respo- uh, relevant. The villain is usually someone pushed to their limits rather than an evil person. They could have made a different choice is like the big hallmark of a cozy mystery murder. Like they got, you know, they responded in a way that like if they'd really just actually been thoughtful and hadn't gotten, you know, worked up and maybe had some character flaws along the way, Greg... (laughs) (laughs) Um, they clearly could have solved the problem differently um, than what they did. Um, And yeah, so he shoots her twice with the nail gun. He is now convinced. It's pretty inaccurate as we've, as we've talked about. Yes. He is telling her to jump off the balcony so that he won't even be like suspected for this. And she, it is, it is important to note at this point, has been able to pocket dial Caroline, yes. who is, you know, who is out of jail because of the smart fridge. She was, she was cleared of all charges. <laughs> <laughs> the magic smart fridge, and so she's managed to do the classic thing. And I guess this Maine is not a state where you need like two party consent nope. for recording stuff for it to be admissible in court. Actually, I'm going to look that up. Real okay, quick. but um. But okay, so she's yeah. got the call going. She is yeah. Um, so so it is like people do know that she's here. Yeah, and they are like, I don't know. the 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 stage has been set for. Oh man, so this main is is or is not not a two party state. I don't think. Okay, it, the way that she tells it, she's not even sure that she was still on the line with Caroline. She remembers Caroline calling her. She hit a button. Caroline gets the open line. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Maine, Maine is one party. So okay. this would be admissible in court. Okay, All right. This is good to know. This is good to um, know. Because then Caroline calls in Evan or Ray. And so all of his villain confession is happening over the phone to her friends. It's happening over the phone. And as Rebecca in the chat also has pointed out, he is like, oh, if I push you off the balcony, it will look like an accident. But let me just drive a couple of nails from this nail gun into you. It's because she won't jump, Andrew. <laughs> He's shooting That's her because she, she won't, won't do it. She's she's looking over the balcony, and all she sees like to break her fall is this dumpster. It's too far away. It's filled with like old, lumber, nasty, pointy construction materials. Yeah. from the inn. And she's also hearing the moaning of Christopher who was mm-hmm. supposed to be here and has clearly been incapacitated or something unclear. Mm-hmm. 
And she like there's this there's this whole sequence where her priorities seem a little out of whack. She's she's thinking about her parents. Yeah. And she's up to this point, she's thought a couple times, like, oh, it'll be really sad when my parents die and they aren't around anymore. Basically. Yes. yes. My death would ruin the inn for my parents. Dad had waited decades for this place to become a reality, and my bullheaded behavior was about to steal it all away. The loss of their only child five days before Christmas would probably ruin the entire holiday for them. Maybe forever. Yep. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Also, this isn't the knife before Christmas. I mean, I guess it's before Christmas, but I, the pun implies that this is happening on Christmas Eve. It, yeah, I do. Susanna's alternate names for this book included Christmas Knife and It's a Wonderful Knife. It's a Wonderful... Well, there's not a... Yeah. <laughs> if only I had never had this knife. Um, no man is a failure who, who has, has knives. Stab wounds, <laughs> yeah. Who has an alibi. Um, I actually did appreciate... As a, this is a thing I dislike a lot about Hallmark movies, where they really conflate a lot of town Christmas events with Christmas Eve and Christmas. So you end up with like way too many townspeople like attending bizarre bookstore events on Christmas Eve. Um, Whereas this book, I think, spaced it out pretty well. Like people are doing things in the run up to Christmas, but it's not about like the only like Christmas sensitive timeline is getting Caroline out of jail in time. Um, Mm -hmm. But so just as she's about to fall off the balcony, we get a chapter break. And the last thing she says is, I want my parents to have a very Merry Christmas. And then she falls. (laughs) Y'all don't even know how bonkers this is about to get. Get ready. Buckle up. Buckle up, because we got to wrap it up. We're running a little bit long, but this book... It's worth oh it. goodness, yeah. She wakes up. They're like, oh, we got the guy. Don't worry about it. And she's like, well, is Christopher okay? And Evan's like, who the hell is that? <laughs> Never heard of this man. <laughs> um, they found her in the dumpster, but the dumpster had moved or something and mm-hmm. was filled... It moved closer to the balcony and it had been filled instead of with pointy rusty construction materials it was filled with like cotton and like cardboard and, and stuff, cardboard like soft to soften her her fall so it really seems like the main injury she has are from the nail gun um no mention ever again of what they did with greg i guess they just arrested him and shoved him in a closet they don't like I mean, say he had confessed and they had it on the phone so yeah. and we've we've established that maine is a one-party state so that's true okay um, and the other thing that happens is apparently overnight the inn has been finished completely. Mm-hmm. The inn and the like the kitchen in the main building where the Holly's mom fired the bad contractor and hired Christopher to do that too. Completely finished. Mm-hmm. I the inn was a crime scene. What was Christopher mm-hmm. doing? The cops probably had business to do there. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Mm-hmm. There's a note from him that says, Dearest Holly, I hope you found renewed hope and innumerable reasons to believe this Christmas. May all your wishes come true. Sincerely, Christopher. There's the line where Holly says, Greg Pressy had beat up Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it is Santa. Santa literally exists, and he is magic, and he is a contractor, and he did finish... 
I don't, if you could finish it magically overnight, I don't know why you would do all the like pantomiming of actual construction. Correct. You would do, I guess he needed to get all of their like design preferences and stuff. That is like true. Like all of their specs. Yes. Though, I mean, Santa knows when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake, he knows, et cetera, et cetera. I, I feel like he would know what faucets I wanted. <laughs> also. Yeah, it's probably true. I don't know why he, I mean, you do need to send him, it's often true that he wants you to send him a gift list though. Yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he does want a list so he can check it twice, yeah. which is more times than I feel like a lot of contractors I've worked with have checked that the lists that correct. I've sent them. Yes, <laughs> they are all on the naughty list. Um, so he, yeah, this be- there's a lot of people in the chat begging questions about, well, if this was Santa, why did Santa let murder happen? And that's a great question. I don't know. Listen, Derek was a jerk and he didn't believe in Santa. His dying words were probably Santa, pa. <laughs> Oh, I'm dead. That's what he said. <laughs> um, and it ends with Libby's going to stay in town, work at the restaurant while she stays safe. Evan and Holly are going to be good. Presumably Ray's going to start dating Libby. Uh, Ray's mom's going to be happy with Pierce. And a shooting star goes across the sky. It's, it's beautiful. It's definitely the end. And then you can imagine like the end writing itself in the screen in cursive gold lettering across the night sky. Yeah. And that's the end of the book. Yeah. It was wonderful. It's a very good book. I did not anticipate Santa being real at the end. I didn't anticipate Santa being literally real. And then you get there and you talk about it. And it's like Santa was there the whole time. Yeah. He was there the whole He was there all along. He was literally Santa. And I missed it. That's the biggest mystery of all. It's true. Is Santa, I guess. Who did, okay, who else did, as soon as you met Greg, did you think he was the murderer? I thought it was too obvious that he had murder vibes. Yeah, he had very obvious I thought I, my money was more on Scooter and, um, and uh, Ray. Yeah, my money was on Ray. Though I was, you know, the 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 creepy Santa in the chocolate shop where he got a distinguishing <laughs> mark or scar in line as he waited for chocolate. Like I knew he was going to be somebody. Yes, yes. But it wasn't clear enough. And and it is, you know, Greg appeared in an advertisement dressed up as Santa to yes. promote the Iron Man gym. So he so was Santa. You, throughout everybody's the book. like, oh, he did have a Santa suit. He was in the ad where he had a Santa <laughs> suit. <laughs> Allegra, the love interest was not consummated. Um they have a chaste kiss. Yeah, they have a chaste kiss. He kisses her also when she comes up with the the thing that inspires his smart fridge revelation. But it's not it's not steamier than that at all. Otherwise it would be a different season. It wouldn't be the holidays. Lana asks, wait, well, Courtney asks, sorry, I'm getting my line breaks mixed up. What's the premise of the third book? Mm. Holly, Santa, and Evan team up to solve crimes. It's I don't know how you put Santa is real and he has a <laughs> hunger for justice. I don't know how you put that back in the bottle. I don't know. <laughs> There's a, is a thing What what is like Libby might be a cop. Libby might want to be a cop. I did appreciate... When Libby was talking about maybe going into the family cop business, that Holly was like, have you thought about being a lawyer or a politician? Hmm. How else can you Hmm. serve? A cop with money, you say. (laughs) (laughs) How else can you serve the people is really what she's asking. But of course, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know what you do now that Santa is real in your universe. That's impossible. Um, 
And why did the, Greg? I had missed all the Santa markers so thoroughly that my notes are like really Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, is that you? I thought so. I thought it might have been Santa early. I was not anticipating him being Santa being pivotal to the end of the book. Well, and I, I guess I would have expected it to be more of a like wink nudge, yes, leave it up to the reader as to whether Christopher is actually Santa. But no, the book comes down pretty firmly on Christopher is literally actually Santa Claus. Yes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was an earlier question in the chat as we wrap up. Why did Greg bother with the mint thing? And specifically, Greg mentions tossing Derek in the big mint tank. Uh, as a way to humiliate him because he mm-hmm. felt humiliated by being forced to run a spa, I guess. <laughs> just just sucks so hard. Do, it is the ultimate indignity for Greg Hardabs that Holly like missed the point of his stupid mint yep. thing. Like he did this to humiliate him and, and everybody's like, wait, what? Yeah, so strange. What a fun book though. What a fun book. I'm really glad we read this. Me too. It was good. I, more more fun bonus episode. Yeah, fun like ones. Sonic and this. <laughs> you, we had a good time when I told you about dinosaurs. That was a fun one. Yeah, no, we we we, always, we usually find a way to have a fun time. But boy, this boy howdy, that was this was this was something. Yeah. Um. So that's gonna wrap us up. Uh. Thanks everybody who joined us in the chat. Andrew will tell you more about how to do that in just a bit. If you want to share with us other thoughts on cozy mysteries. Send us an email at OverduePod at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at OverduePod. Our theme song was composed by Nick Lorangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where do they go? They go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website. We have book links to the books that we have read and are going to read, including bonus episodes and long read projects. If you want to join us in the chat and you want to get bonus episodes a little bit early, go to Patreon.com slash OverduePod kick us a few bucks or don't i mean we're never gonna record anything that we don't eventually release to the main feed we know this has been a year and that not everybody has it and we are not gonna shake you down for it nope uh what do i look like somebody who owns a cupcake store in a small town in maine i'm not gonna charge you money that is in excess of what you would pay for my goods and services that's correct that's correct yeah um, we should have our January schedule up soon. We're wrapping that up today. Andrew, do you want to, if folks haven't listened to the recent Genie Babies, the recent Genie Babies will have been on the main feed by the time this episode hits the main feed, but do you want to just tell people what we're reading for our next Long Reads project real quick? We're going to read Don Quixote next. We don't have a name yet. We have several candidates for names, but we have not quite settled on the one yet so tune in in january we're going to be starting some into the chat just to see what the reaction yeah we're going to be starting our don quixote long read project so tune in for that you can find out more on how to get those episodes early uh at patreon.com slash overdue pod as well um andrew this is going to be the edith hamilton translation i believe is that right edith hamilton Mm -hmm. yeah i want to make sure i had that right um, get us out of here, Andrew. What's the thing we say? Everybody, thanks for coming and listening to our podcast. Try not to get murdered and also try to be happy. <laughs>
That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>